They may sound nuts, so do the Wright brothers. Now, here's Flieger and Briggs. Coming at you live, it's It's Just Sports here on the 12-Ounce Sports Radio Network. Check out all the goodness 12-Ounce Sports has to offer over at 12OunceSportsNetwork.com, at 12OZ Sports on the tweeters, and of course, as always, you can follow your boys at Asylum Football on Twitter, It's Just Sports, 123 at gmail.com, and for all the show archives, AsylumFantasySports.com. Rick, quarantine day 6,423, well underway. Good to see you are still uh, above the grass anyhow. We'll call that a win to this point, and uh, I'm ready for it to be over. Yeah, you and me both. We are Flieger and Briggs. Welcome to It's Just Sports. And like Rick said, you know, drop us a line. It's just sports123 at gmail.com or at Asylum Football on Twitter. And I'm with you, Rick. I am ready for it to be over. I We are in western Pennsylvania, and I'm sick of snow. <laughs> I'm sick of cold weather. And I mean, we are 40 days away from the first day of summer, and it's snowing today. Yeah, fun. Fun. It, yeah. It's probably because you have know, some theories out there, not all, some theories, the warm weather and the sunshine will help usher this nightmare virus out of here. So, of course, it is. I haven't seen the sun in a month and it's snowing on May. What is it, Rick? May 11th and it's snowing. Yep. May just, 11th, 2020, and it's snowing. Yeah, just sickening. So, of course, it's getting harder and harder and harder to do a uh, sports talk radio show. Uh, hopefully we're getting towards the other side of that today. We will talk some NFL play, play a, a game show. We like to play. It won't be as good, uh, not being in person and not having our spokes models and the such, but we'll play a little fat NFL factor fiction, uh, go through like, I guess we'll start there, Rick. Some sports looking to reopen the UFC had a fight on Saturday. I'm, I'm not a UFC guy, and I did I did watch some of the preliminaries. I tried. It just I guess I'm not that desperate for sports. That look, I get it, guys that like it. It just didn't for me. But NASCAR starting this weekend, I'd kind of given up on NASCAR for a couple of years. But I think I may be the biggest uh, <laughs> biggest race fan in the world as they start Sunday, and they're going to be two races a week here in certain places where they can go. They're racing back-to-back on a Sunday and a Wednesday at Darlington in South Carolina, then back-to-back on a Sunday and a Wednesday in Charlotte the next week. So follow some of that. Looks like the MLB is getting closer and closer, Rick. They have said the owners have submitted a plan, a, a reopening plan to the Players Union uh, that they're going to discuss tomorrow. It looked like that was all but a done deal. And then, of course, the MLB owners, being what they are, started getting greedy and don't want to pay uh, some prorated salaries or some nonsense like this. So I pray that doesn't get held up with uh, with the money part of all this. Yeah, you're right. Some things are trying to open up. But conversely, the American Hockey League has canceled the rest of their season, which is kind of a – harbinger of what might happen to the NHL season, which I believe is going to go by the wayside, quite frankly. I I don't know. You know, they do have at least some TV revenue that they could tap into and Stanley Cup playoff revenue that way. But um, no, the American Hockey League, it, it's done. And that is basically your, you, know, you could call it quadruple A plus, you know, minor leagues for hockey. I mean, that is what just one step below that's the finishing school for the NHL, and they're done. Yeah, and I wonder, 
Yeah, I I wonder if that's relevant to to what the NHL is going to do if it if it does point towards where they're going. Boy, as much as I think, you know, I'm trying to think about sports in the context of I think what we know now, and I fear this is going to go even into the football season. We'll get into that. If there's going to be sports, it is now complete reality. It's not if we're doing these things without fans. It's if it's going to happen at all, there's going to be no fans. So you try to look at sports. They, they kind of make sense without it, right? You know, I think NASCAR, obviously, you wouldn't even be able to tell the difference most of the time. Baseball, I, I wonder a little bit. It, it's going to be odd, but it might be kind of cool, the crack of the bat a little louder, the birds or something. I don't know. Hockey and the hockey playoffs specifically – Maybe we'll get used to it, right? You know, we talked about with the draft when I first turned it on before, after the first two picks, I thought, I can't watch this. And four or five picks in, I was just used to it and it felt normal to me. When I think about hockey, when we talk about football, when we talk about the NBA, those are going to be hard to watch without fans, I think. It's going to be extremely hard. And yeah, you mentioned the draft. Yeah, you got used to it, but the draft was a couple of days and it's done. Right. Um, basically, what you have to look back at, and a good example, look, I know it's not a professional sport, but, you know, it is all, it has, it's a billion dollar corporation. You look at the WWE, it went on, it kept going with um, no fans in the audience. They went on with WrestleMania and so forth, but it, progressively as it's going, in fact, just this last week, the lowest ratings ever for Raw. I mean, people, it's just, you know, it's just a sterile environment. I mean, you can't, you know, and you, it's really, to me, it's magnified in a team sport. You, you talk about the hockey playoffs. It's the crowds that the, that the players play to, that react to, and the emotion in the building, the noise I mean, that is the extra man for the home team. And it's, yeah, I don't think, I don't know how they're going to do it. They're going to have to pump music or um, noise, crowd noise or something into these stadiums or arenas, especially like your basketball or your hockey, or it is just going to be, it's going to be deafening as far as I'm concerned. All you're going to hear is sticks clacking and it's echoing. And I don't know how they're going to, you know, manage this and try to keep it exciting. Yeah, it's, yeah, I wonder, and I guess it'll have to happen. And honestly, I hope we get the chance to find out, right? I guess that that's the biggest thing is, can you get used to it? Can it start to become normal a little bit? It's not going to be as good. Nobody's claiming that. You know, the WWE never made any sense. I actually, uh, maybe two weeks ago, I checked in on one just sort of out of curiosity. You know right. what I mean? And, you know, I, I get what they're trying to do. I appreciate them trying to do it. Maybe some hardcore wrestling fans are still sticking with it. They, they must be because it's got to cost a fortune still to put on. And so for for them to keep putting it out there, it's somebody's got to be enjoying it. But when the entrance music hits and a guy steps out behind the curtain and he's eight feet away from the ring and there's nary a sound and they're still doing the preening and the flexing and the show they normally do, wrestling's a show. It really is. And the crowd, as annoying as they are by and large, are a huge part of that. 
Yeah, something like baseball, I think, can get away with it. Like I said, NASCAR is no big deal. F- football's the one I'm worried about. And it's kind of seemed like we were edging towards some sort of modified, you know, we're going to play football, no crowd. We're going to play football with smaller crowds. You know, some people said, ah, by September, we'll push everything into October and November, and we'll play with full crowds. And then, of course, Fauci come out and just shit all over that today already. Basically, he said, oh, you have some joy here. Come put this microphone in my face. I'm about to stomp that out right now. So football, I think, is going to be real. College football especially. You imagine watching, you know, Auburn, Alabama with nobody in the stands on some practice field somewhere. Come on. Yeah, okay. We're going to the battle for number one down in the snake pit in LSU. Big deal. Right. (laughs) You know. (laughs) You might as well play it in the parking lot. Who cares? What's the difference? You so, got it. So I, I don't know. Hopefully, it looks like baseball may be the first gig. I'm kind of of the mind, as much as I'd love to see it and get any sports I can. At this point, NHL, NBA, they ought to just scrap it. We've said oh, that agree. before, and more and more, I've kind of teeter-totter, more and more. At this point, really, you're going to go – because at best, this thing's going to happen in July. You know, yeah, you can push next season back. We don't know if this thing's going to be taken care of going into next. Just scrap it and move on at this point. Yeah, and look, pro sports is a different animal. You you talk about like the American Hockey League. They don't have the corporate sponsorships. They don't have the television deals, the season ticket holders, et cetera, which, you know, that's going to be a nightmare. You know, are we going to refund the season tickets? Are we going to sell this year's at half price or whatever the case may be just to try to figure that out? Um. The TV deals. Okay, now here brings up a little example. We're getting off track here, but I thought about this last week. Now, the the league makes deals with networks. The networks pay them, you know, to have the broadcast of games, correct? As far as I'm aware, yes. Right. So then the networks have their sponsorships and everything that make up the deals, and they buy advertising room on these sports channels. Now, the, we pay the cable company to bring these into our home. We are paying for the NFL network. We are paying for CBS, Fox, and so forth to bring it in. They're supposed to be bringing us NFL games. Now, we see the NFL is losing revenue. We see that the players are, are losing paychecks and so forth and playing time and all these other sports. Have you seen a reduction in your cable bill? <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, Rick. I think I don't either, but it, you know, it seems to make sense to me. You would think so, and I, I wish I had the number in front of me. Have you ever heard the breakdown of what percentage of your monthly bill, be it cable or DirecTV or whatever you have, ESPN is, what massive percentage it is compared to everything else combined? It's almost ungodly, and, and they're I providing. I never noticed that. Because one thing I've often thought about in the area I live in, well, we both live in, Rick, and twice in the last, what, three or four years, we've had bad storms that led to power outages of weeks at a time, not hours, not a day, of weeks at a time. And I remember complaining at that time, there was no power, the cable lines were down, there was no television whatsoever. And yet the next month, when I only had the service for four days, funny, my bill was the same (laughs) as it was. Right. So I don't think they're going to do that. So you wonder, 
there, there is a trickle down there, right? Because you think ESPN's not going to be wanting to pay the NFL. It, it runs both directions, and, and you wonder, sure. which I think leads to the willingness to put together, I think, with the leagues and why I don't think the NHL and NBA will necessarily throw it out out of hand. It's they'd rather put out a worse product as long as they meet their obligations to put out a product so we don't have to start having these conversations. Yeah, apparently um, a World Series from 1978 counts as professional baseball or an old playoff game from 1981, which I was watching some today from the NFL, counts as an NFL game. I don't know. But, you know, they're fulfilling their obligation. Um, I I don't know how they – you know, we're, we're not going to get anything from it, obviously, as cable subscribers. But it's just interesting how, you know, the dynamics of this, how it's broken down through all this chain of corporations and cables and sponsorships and so forth, where all this money goes and what happens when the product's not there. Yeah, and and so it'll just be interesting to see then. Uh, let's assume everything gets going here. Let's say the NBA does that bid in Disney and they have the NHL playoffs in North Dakota and what, whatever that plan was and, and all that happens. It'll be interesting to see how long. Uh, initially, there's going to be a huge appetite for that, right? Rick, I, I'll be consuming every NBA playoff game, which I wouldn't have done otherwise, but I will be doing it assuming it happens. How long does that appetite last? Does it roll into the NCAA football season? Does it roll in? Probably would in the NFL as long as it still looks like NFL football and fantasy football is still a thing. But you just wonder at some point if it takes as much away from the game as I assume it's going to, where does that appetite drop down? And what I really don't know, what I'd love to hear somebody say is when – and I don't, you don't, nobody can answer this. When do we open the doors back up? You know, everything's got to be phased, right? Are you going to phase in a thousand fans, then 10,000, then 25? I mean, this could be years of this stuff, Rick. So they almost have to come up with something. I'm really starting to be of the mind. This could go on for years. It could go on, Rick, until a vaccine is discovered that works, which could be never. Where- well, yeah, it's very possible. They don't have one for the common cold. Of Bingo. course, it doesn't kill everybody. And guess what the common cold is? I, I've learned this a today. Virus. A coronavirus, actually. The yeah. common cold is a coronavirus. I was- right, and now they're coming up with all different kinds of variations of it. Something now, I don't know, they came up with Kawasaki disease or something that was attacking some children. And, you know, I don't know what this thing's doing mutation-wise or resistance-wise. You know, we haven't heard anything of that, whatever that malaria drug was, the chlor or something or other. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and when it started about a month ago, I haven't heard anything about that. Well, but then again, we haven't heard anything new either. It's just, well, the cases are going down. Well, why? Yeah, yeah, that's the other part I don't understand. So, But, Rick, that's a perfect segue. I have great news. And I hope Fauci and Burks and the president and all the governors are listen, listening because, Rick, I have found the solution to the corona, not only the coronavirus, but all disease and all aging in the world. Are you ready to hear this? Do you think I should put this out because we won't be able sure. to? You think we can still patent it and we can make money as a show for it? I'm sure. I have found the cure. What will solve this right now 
and I can't do this unilaterally. I have to get this gentleman to agree. But if we can get Frank Gore to donate his blood and do that sort of plasma business they're talking about and inject him into everybody, they will live forever. No coronavirus, no in, no injury. As Frank Gore signs another new contract, Rick, and will be going to the New York Jets, this guy is ageless, he is timeless, and I think he is the solution to this problem, Frank Gore. You know, I, I never thought about Frank Gore. That That is a great idea. See, I had proposed a plan to get a blood sample from Keith Richard. That's... Whatever was flowing through this dude <laughs> is going to kill that virus in a heartbeat. Maybe if we put them together, it'll solve poverty and global warming and everything else we're worried about. <laughs> there you go. Now all we have to do is get a hold of these guys and get a little vial of blood from them and then uh, an egghead scientist yeah. will study it and we'll be set. Let them do what they do, mix it up, put a few, hundred, few billion doses of it together, rip it into all of us, and we're going to live forever. If that doesn't work, my plan B, Rick, is... What we need to do is find the coronavirus. I assume there's somewhere like a headquarters you can talk to it, right? And I would assume. But then you go, you talk to them, and then you go to Michael Jordan, and you tell Michael Jordan, hey, the coronavirus said they were it was better than you, and he'll take care of it from there. I, I can't get over this last dance. <laughs> that last, <laughs> the two last night, my God, I couldn't sleep. The guy was a stone-cold killer. I lived through the whole thing, and I didn't remember this man as a killer. Oh, I know. I mean, that's why I think some of these arguments about the best player ever is just, it's just a joke. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. It's, um, you, you just can't hardly compare the dude to anybody. I mean, you know, you can make the argument in hockey. I mean, it, it's Gretzky and Lemieux and then everybody else. Right. Exactly. And, and as simple as that. And, you know, this, this guy was, just a, I don't, I don't even know how to describe him. Like you said, a stone cold killer. I mean, he was a, a willed champion. Whether or not they should have won all those, I mean, he was not going to lose. Period. Yeah, and just all the success he had, and, and, and kind of what they highlighted last night was going and playing baseball, and then coming back. You know, with only what was there, about twenty games left of that ninety. Uh, five season making sure I'm getting my years right and they get eliminated in the playoffs and you know he just figured you know he was out of basketball shape at that time and so rather than taking any time off he told his trainer we start tomorrow we win and just just and it, it wasn't for show it wasn't fake you see at the very end of the first episode last night the very end of episode seven He's talking about how, you know, the way he treated his teammates and how hard of a guy he was to get along with and how hard he pushed his teammates and talked about he had to push pull some guys kicking and screaming into the level it took to play to play with him and to win championships. And he's talking about right at the end of the episode, he breaks down talking about it. He's that emotional about it still that this is what I had to do. And you could just see he felt like the whole weight of that organization and that league was on his shoulders. And he was going to drag every rum dumb they brought into that team. He was going to drag them with him and you were going to get on board. It was just endlessly fascinating to see that. Oh, it really was. You talk about living through it. I mean, I was down in Durham at the time at, at the club I was at in Durham, North Carolina, where he was one of the inaugural members that, you know, we built this golf course and he was one of the inaugural members and so forth when his father was kidnapped and murdered. And 
I mean, it was, it, it was something. I mean, it was very emotional. It, it consumed the uh, a majority of the people down there. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, it was. I mean, yeah, because it, it was hit home. I mean, I, I was used to seeing them playing golf. Right. And then you know, all of a sudden, you just hear this kind of stuff, and you know, and I think that's what prompted him to retire the first time from basketball. Yeah, and it, it was that kind of that, and what they showed, and from what I keep reading and hearing, is this video had been out there somehow in all these years. I'd missed it after they clinched the championship in '96. You know, the first championships after his his father died, and they show him. He kind of has he's on the floor on out on the floor, and he breaks down a little bit. I'd never seen this video. Then at the end, he's laying on the floor of the trainer's room and right. just sobbing. I mean, sobbing like a child. I had apparently this has been around somehow. I had never seen it, and how emotional it was. You know, just playing that game, just coming back, and then doing that without his father there. My God, I don't get choked up very often. <laughs> that choked me up. Of course, it was old foot everybody else had seen a thousand times that I somehow missed, but it, it, last night was powerful. It really was. Well, it's not, you know, those old films and everything, unless you're really specifically looking for it and you know it exists, I mean, you could probably find it on YouTube or something, but back in those days, you didn't have all the yeah. social media where all these films are just getting shot out there repeatedly over and over. And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things that, you know, miss from those days that you just happen to stumble across 20 years later, or whatever it is, you know? Yeah, so I, I can't get over it last night and I can't wait for, for the net last two this coming week. And then I hope they need to do a 20 parter just on Michael Jordan, watching videos of people talking about him. <laughs> did you see the, did you watch last night? Probably not yet. But, I did not know, but they hand him the iPad and the, it's a interview with Gary Payton talking about how he, he shut him down and Jordan just laughing, just laughing and laughing and laughing. I, I'd watch a documentary just on that. Him watching interviews of people not giving him due credit. <laughs> it never gets old. But And now the worst part about this is, Rick, of course, it came right at the right time with this corona lockdown and no sports going on. Now there's talk of, like, every Tom, Dick, and Harry team is going to have one of these kind of things made. And it'll be oversaturated and we'll be ready to blow our brains out another three years over this. That does bring up a good question. Who else would be worthy of this, Rick? You know, everybody's going to do it. You're right. If it's this well done, it'll still be good, but not to this level. Who is there anybody else worthy of this? I mean, you could certainly make a case in football for like the Belichick Brady uh, dynamic through that dynasty, I would assume. I wonder um, if there's much behind the scenes stuff. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, you have no idea. It would be interesting to. Well, I tell you that, that. I mean, that is a tough one. I mean, see, I would be interested in the because we were well aware of it at the time of the feud with the media and between Chuck Knoll and Terry Bradshaw. And, you know, he was drafted in 69 
and they didn't win their title first title. I think it was, I think it was 74, 70, it was a 74 season, I think. And there was a lot of heat between those two. He was benched. Terry Hanratty was a starter and, uh, they would, you know, just right out in the open, you know, verbally yell at each other. And, you know, it, it was, it was an interesting dynamic. And Terry Bradshaw admittedly never liked Chuck Knoll, but he respected him. Yeah. And, you know, it, it was a weird dynamic, especially back in that day. That was 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I think that could be a good 30, 30. When I think about something that could be a 10 part special, I think the obvious one is, and it, I think it would be very similar. And as I sit here now and it's sort of still going on, I can't envision him ever sitting down and doing it. But maybe in 20 or 30 years like Jordan, he would do it. it would be Tiger Woods, right? The rise and fall, the dynamic with his father, the the going away, the injury, the the, the media presence, the, the commercial side of things. They're very similar tracks when you think about it. Yeah, but the thing about something like that is, I mean, unless there is a lot of material, how much of the material behind the scenes, you know, like videos and sort of right, so that, that'd be a big yeah, because he's you know so private, yeah, exactly. I mean, I I don't think that you could actually put something together that would be really all that good. And I told you about you know a couple of months ago in the show that I saw that special on Arnold Palmer and it was like a recap of his life and, and the whole career and his charitable contributions and this that and the other but there wasn't a lot of behind the scenes stuff with him and his wife or him and Jack Nicholas that you know that went on that nobody at the time heard about you know what I'm saying true I mean yeah, there's I not locker room reporting in golf the way there is right so, yeah, I don't know if you could do that with Tiger Woods, quite frankly. It would be interesting, no doubt about that, because a lot of ups and downs. Um, yeah, I, it's very hard. Other than, like, the Brady-Belichick-New England thing, I really can't think of anything that would be – I don't know. I, I, I really don't know what you who you could come up with that would be that fascinating. Now, this is going. This is a Homer one, number one. And number two, I actually saw somebody else suggest this on Twitter recently, and, and I didn't think much of it, but now that we're having this conversation, it's starting to make sense to me. But I think the story of Mario Lemieux could almost be worthy of something like this because this isn't just about hockey. You know, he arrives, you know, the teenage kid on a joke of a franchise. He doesn't even speak English in relatively short order. He's got them winning championships and then he gets cancer and he's out. And then he comes back as the new next one comes in and ushers him in. And then the team's bankrupt and he buys the team and they're ready to move. And he, maybe that's only me locally, but boy, when you think the ebbs and flows of that story and the impact it had on one franchise, on one city, on the game itself. Mary Lemieux, maybe you couldn't get 10 episodes out of it. You'd probably get four or five out of the, the twists and turns of his career. Yeah, there were, there were a lot of them, there's no doubt. And it, it's tough to come up with something as fascinating as the Bulls, though. No, no, that's With the, everything going on. Yeah, that's... That that that's the first one like that to me, and in, in the sheer dominance of a Michael Jordan. So, 
I don't know, Rick. What, are we going to talk about some football or something? Well, or? we do have some NFL, and I thought we could just, you know, briefly go over. I mean, there's really nothing um, – you, you can't really predict what's going to happen, but there's still some notable free agents out there, and it is going to be interesting to see what teams may show some interest, what teams are going to be able to afford some of these free agents because some of them are going to be – High dollar, other ones, maybe they used to be high dollar, but I don't think they're going to be. And I think that's uh, number one. I think Cam Newton, one of them. Um, certainly, if you have a team where you're thin at quarterback or you're a little bit unsure, he's kind of like the, a, a nice Andy Dalton pickup. I mean, he'd be great to have on your team. you got a veteran um, experience, the talent. He's been there. But I don't know if Cam is looking for a backup job. No, and I think for that thing, to, the further it drags on, I think the more willing he would be to accept a backup job. I think at this point, and you don't blame the guy, he's been a league MVP. He started in a Super Bowl, albeit it didn't go very well. But very recently, he's been a league MVP. So I think he, I can understand holding out and still thinking, I should be starting in this league. But at this point, it seems like everybody is set, at least in their minds. So this, this, for me, this can only work one of two ways. Number one, he just stays out. And somebody's going to go down in camp. Somebody's going to go down in week one, something, you know. And then he comes in and he's that next guy. Now, that's risky, right? It will happen, but it's still risky and you don't know where. The only other way this works, if he decides he's going to be a backup, he needs to go somewhere with an established number one, no doubt, or if this guy is healthy, he's starting. I don't care if Johnny Unitas and his prime's behind him. This guy's starting. If he goes somewhere like Washington, is kind of the first one that pops in mind because of his relationship with Rivera. If he goes to right. Jacksonville with Minshew, you don't want this guy in a competition because here's what we don't know, and we're not going to know till he starts playing games because of the unfortunate circumstances of this offseason. He hasn't gotten a chance to show that he's back and he's healthy and he's got it again. I don't think he would do a competition very well. I think he would undermine – a lot of things. He's got to be somewhere where he's going to sit there for a year. He's going to make that money and then either hit free agency next year or, or replace right. somebody, something. I just, I think he's got to go somewhere where there's no doubt he is the backup or he's going to have a real hard time accepting it. I agree. And, and I think a lot of people need to step back and realize that, yeah, he used to, he wasn't a league MVP and he was a dynamic player but this isn't the Cam Newton that we saw six, seven years ago when mobility was one of his prime weapons. And he's still a sub-60% career passer. He never has been that accurate. And he's taken a pounding over his career. He's not the same player he was. And the NFT, NFL teams get it. You know, I'm referring to a lot of these, I'm using the air quotes here, the so-called gurus and experts on Twitter and so forth. This is ridiculous that Cam Newton has not had a job offer yet when Andy Dalton has a team and Nick Foles has a team. Maybe people have talked to Cam Newton and they have, he hasn't been willing to go at a, at a lower price or whatever. I have no idea. 
I'm throwing rocks here, but you know, I, there's something there why he hasn't been snapped up, and it's not just all money either. No, and I I think it, it comes from him, and again. I don't blame him. He is, what, four now heading into five seasons removed from being the MVP of the National Football League. In his mind, I doubt it's true, but in his mind, and I think reasonably so, he says, I am still an upper echelon quarterback in this league. I'm not going to go back up or fight for a job with Gardner Minshew. You know what? I'm just not going to do it. I fully understand that, but from the team's perspective, You know, I think there's two things at play. I think it's very reasonable to say, you know, I don't know. You know, last we saw him, he was so banged up. He'd been taking a beating. Maybe he is perfectly healthy now. Maybe he's back to the old Cam Newton. Unfortunately, circumstances being what they are in the world right now, I don't know that. And I can't know that until I bring him in here, number one. Or number two is, this guy is a starting quarterback in this league. I don't think he's as good as the starting quarterback I have. And I'm not going to bring him into my quarterback room and have this competition and have make my quarterback uncomfortable by bringing this guy in behind him. And there's some things to be said for certain kind of analytics. You and I always talk about, you know, in the fantasy football world, it's not, you know, analytics isn't everything. But I tell you what, you know, I was looking at some of his analytical um, grades, you know, through pro football focus. It's out there. Go look at it. His, his MVP year, 2015, he earned an 86.5 overall grade from PFF. Every single year of his career, other than that one year, is below 77. And I don't know, there's chaos ensuing in my Is it the dog way. talking on the phone? Because we could hear the phone ringing and now the dog. So I'm wondering, is it the dog talking on the phone? It could be. It might be the bulldog. It might have been having a fight. I don't know. You have a but bulldog anyway. now? Wait a minute. There's a bulldog? <laughs> That's her boyfriend. Anyway. <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> but a sub-77 grade every single year of his career, except for that one year. And, uh, you know, that's, you know, one spike of a year is nice, but everything else is a trend. And, and you know, he's a sub-60% passer completion. 77 below every other year of his career other than one. I mean, that tells me something. He's not that efficient of a quarterback. And is the beating that he's taken, you take his legs and speed away from him, he is just eh. Well, and that's what you have to know, right, Rick? And I hope it's not the case, but I assume it is. If he doesn't have that part of his game, he's not going to have it the level he did, and nobody would be naive enough to think no. so. But if he can't, if that can't be an important part of his game, he was never a guy, college, early on in the pros, who could just step back and, and pick things apart and run an offense. That's not who he is, and that's fine. He won a lot of football games and made a lot of money doing things the way he did. If he can't do that, and, and again, that's where this offseason's worked against him, right? He hasn't had the ability to at least – even fool anybody into thinking he could do that. The last video anybody has on him is him limping off the field and being in really rough physical shape. 
And so he's going to – my thought is either someone's going to – Big's going to have to go down, which would be an obvious fit, or number two, he's going to have to take a backup job, get something on film for a year, and if that happens, it needs to happen somewhere where there's not going to be a QB competition. Right. I'd bring him into Pittsburgh right now, Rick, if he would do it right now. He would be a more than capable backup when Ben went down, but Ben Roethlisberger's got enough sway that nobody's going to be – well, Pittsburgh fans will, but nobody in the organization is going to be clamoring for Cam Newton to get a fair shot. If Ben doesn't work out, he steps right in. Otherwise, he moves on, he gets something on tape. Well, we talked about this before, and it, it would have made a whole lot more sense if you could gotten – uh, James oh, yeah, for a million yeah. bucks. Right. Why they didn't pursue that, I have no idea. But another really significant free agent is edge rusher Jadavian Clowney. You know, he hasn't lived up to the hype when he first came out of school, but obviously, you know, a really impact player. And this is one of those guys that is going to command a few bucks when it comes to contract time. And I got a feeling that Clowney is not going to be be without a job. But what's going to happen, I think, is training camp's going to start and somebody's going to go down or whatever. They'll release them. They'll bring this cat in. And there you go. What you got to wonder with Jadavion, he's never – He's been a really, really, really good, I think, when he's been healthy. He's been nicked up, but when he's been healthy, he's been really good. I don't think he's lived up to the hype of where he was drafted, but that's almost impossible to do. But we've kind of reached that point in his career where we sort of getting passed around a little bit. There, there's some something mm-hmm. coachability, personality-wise. There's something there that you would think – you know, it would take a while if he was expecting too much money, but this process has been going on long enough. There, there's something behind the scenes with him. This isn't about money and performance. This is about the guy. I, I have to yeah. believe it. I, I agree with it. It's attitude. I think it's locker room presence or locker room cancer, however you want to look at it. But there's something about this guy that is not all that attractive. He has been um, – he was with Seattle for what? Just a one year mm-hmm. and already looking for another team. So, and yeah, Pete Carroll is also known as, you know, a player's coach as well. So I, I agree with you. I think there's something there. Cornerback Logan Ryan still out there. Um, yeah, Prince Amakamara. Amukamora. Amukamora. I never, I don't know how you can get Mora out of M A R, but more whatever. Jason Peters pushing 38, still in the league. I, I'm very surprised that he hasn't retired, but I got a feeling with the way he's played, even last year, you know, somebody will pick him up for a, a one year stopgap left tackle position. I mean, there's not many that were better than him over the years. No, he'll, he'll be a somebody goes down in camp. He He's the perfect, perfect candidate for that, I, I think. that that That's where he lives right now. And, you know, other than that, I mean, you have Delaney Walker, you know, you have a few other guys out there, Cameron Wake, um, Eli Apple. The, probably some of these guys are going to be finding jobs pretty quickly, but some may be – Later on, it's it's hard to say. 
And we'll just have to keep an eye on that. We'll discuss them as they find jobs instead of just trying to figure out where they're going. I guess we're going to play a little fact or oh, fiction. Absolutely. My, my favorite game. I'm going to hit – you won't be able to hear it, Rick, but I am going to hit the theme music here. It's, it's my favorite part of doing it. So it is time for – oh, it's been so long since we've used it, I can't find it. Oh, no. Hold on. Hold on. Is this it? No, that's Judge Wapner. That's Judge Wapner. I don't have the music, Rick. This is un- unfathomable. Well, that's okay. We can just demonstrate with a fact sound and a fiction sound. Right. Even though CBS ripped our idea off, we had it before they did. Yeah, so, so Rick, what we'll do, you can just say fact or fiction, and I'll, I'll put your buzzers and your dingers in as we go. I have got to figure out how in the world do I not have the fact or fiction theme? I'm ready to end the show, Rick. I'm done. I quit. I can't work, I, under, I, I can't work under these conditions. But they're your conditions. You created them. Well, I have a uh, high standards, Frank. We can blame, uh, you know, Alejandro. Is he still alive? Yeah, he's still alive. I mean, quarantined in Belarus or something? I think that's what happened. I don't know if it's Belarus or Croatia. He keeps, you know, bopping back and mm-hmm. forth. And I think he's taking the Underground Railroad. I think he's going back and forth doing uh, private dance auditions i think he's a super spreader that's a term i just learned about this coronavirus he's running back and forth country to country he's a super spreader i think all right alejandro well here it is here's the rules real simple i present a question to rick he lets us know if it's fact or fiction and i tell him why he's wrong so first one rick i think it's the most obvious one fact or fiction the patriots win the now hold on before we do that Florio, Peter King, all you guys who want the NFL to end forever, even though it's made you both millionaires. This is assuming the league goes on as normal. They play all 16 games. I don't care about fans, but it all happens, so we don't have to say before every answer, well, if they play, well, if this. Yet we're assuming the league happens. We're allowed to do that. Florio, shut up. So here we go, Rick. Fact or fiction, the Patriots win the AFC East in 2020. He says fiction. Yes, I do. I I think if there's going to be a year that the Buffalo Bills or, should I say, the Jets or the Dolphins, but I think that they have improved enough, the three of them, to hand New England enough defeats within the division. And they'll accumulate some other ones. Look, it doesn't matter – If Stidham is his guy, it's still not Tom Brady. And this team is desperately lacking in offensive weapons. And my favorite going in right now in 2020 is the Buffalo Bills. That's the obvious answer, Rick. Probably even the smart answer. Of course it is. I'm going to say I think the Patriots still win this division. Let's look back to last year. They had no offensive weapons. Tom Brady wasn't any good. Let's not forget this. Tom Brady didn't win them any football games. He didn't lose them any football games, which might be something a Jarrett Stidham could do. That was an old-school Bill Belichick defensive team, better skilled, nobody could score, scoring points on special teams and on defense, it felt like, every single week. If Stidham's even competent, they, it's still a 9- or 10-win team. Buffalo should be better, but I don't know that they will be better. 
Everything on paper says the Patriots shouldn't win this division. In fact, the Patriots shouldn't win eight games this year. But every time you think that about Bill Belichick, look out, here they come. I think the Patriots still win this division and are in the playoffs. I'm here where you're coming from. But here Tom Brady, over 4,000 yards last year. Granted, they only had the 24 touchdowns, only eight picks. I can see you're not going to have single-digit picks this year because it's not Tom Brady. He will get rattled. He will not stay patient. He will not make the reads. And they, the defense will wear down towards the end of the year. They, he can't, they can't maintain that. And, I mean, they will not be able to score enough points that they will give up. They're not going to shut everybody down as bad or as good, however you want to look at it, like they did last year. And I think you're going to find that, yeah, they'll probably be second place, but this they're going to be chinks in that armor, and people – are going to lose a lot of the awe that they have for the New England Patriots. Now, that's that's an interesting factor, and that's something kind of not on the field, something the, the metrics, the analytical guidelines or whatever they are won't measure. How much of the aura, you know, how much did the fear of the New England Patriots and the fear of Tom Brady factor in to what it took to beat them or not beat them in most cases and taking that away. That, that, that's something interesting. You, you might have swayed me there. I still always assume you're wrong, but you might have swayed me. <laughs> All right, Rick, fact or fiction along the same lines, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win the NFC South. I also think that's fiction. Um, I think New Orleans is still too good. I think Atlanta's going to be much improved. Um, Carolina, yeah, they've got a lot of work to do, but this this could be a, a three-team race, and I think it's going to be very close. I think Tampa Bay is going to be a, a playoff team, but I'm still leaning towards the Saints. Yeah, that, that, that's my first thought. I, I still think the Saints are a Super Bowl-worthy team at, at this point. They keep finding new and creative ways to get knocked out of the playoffs before they should. <laughs> Not always their fault, obviously, but – I don't know why. I know, I know, doubt Tom Brady at your own peril. Uh, At this point of his career, God, this is going to sound so stupid. Yeah, I've made a career out of sounding stupid. I think he's the third best quarterback in that division right now. I really do. If I had to pick, I'd rather have, for a season, I'd rather have Drew Brees and probably Matt Ryan with those weapons. It'll be interesting to see. You know, how Gronkowski – and actually, I won't jump ahead. We we have this question later on in the game if we get to it. I'm just not convinced that Tom Brady, the, the shackles are off in a new place. Just, we've seen this too many times, Rick. Joe Namath. How many times have we seen it? I just don't know if it's this panacea that, that we all think it's going to be because you already had existing weapons. You have a good offensive coach in Bruce Arians, and you bring in a 43-year-old Tom Brady, and it's just rocket black, you know, boosters on. I, I don't know that I see it, Rick. I really don't. Oh, I, I tend to agree with you, quite frankly. And – I don't know how to interpret Tom Brady going there in one aspect. I think it's a a huge advantage because he is smart. He is experienced. He can read the defenses, but on the other hand, 
he's 43 years old. And we saw it last year. Still has some strength, but it's not. I mean, he, he actually looks weaker than he did. You know, and I hate to say that, but he does. And it just tends to come with age. And, you know, I just don't think that he's going to be this big gunslinger like people think he's going to be because he has weapons all of a sudden. Yeah, I just uh, I just have such a hard time seeing it. And, and I, I could be I hope I am wrong. Frankly, that would be about the best story ever <laughs> if he leaves and goes to Tampa Bay. I know they won one, what, 20 years ago now, but that isn't a team you think about as Super Bowl-worthy generally or a Super Bowl-worthy city, certainly. But it would be a great story. I just I, – I have a hard time seeing yeah, it. Yeah, you can't, you can't dream it up better than to see – Breeze and Brady, one and two in passing yards. And, hell, let's throw Ryan in at number three yeah. for passing yards and touchdowns over the course of the 2020 season, 2021, and see them just score a billion points, and it's a horse race the whole way down to the end in this division. But I think it's going to be a lot tamer than what we're hoping for. Yeah, it, it usually is. All right, Rick. I don't know. Didn't know the best way to put this, so I'll just keep it real simple. Been a rough off season. We talked about last week how the media media can't stand the guy. Looks like he might be out of shape. Fact or fiction, Rick? Ben Roethlisberger is done. Oh, fiction. I th- I think Ben Roethlisberger has been training quite hard in the off season. And I think he's probably going to be in some of the best shape that he's ever come into camp in his life. And hopefully, I mean, I, this, I don't know, but I just have a feeling that his arm's going to be better than it has been the last couple of years. I think that arm had was damaged or hurting the year before as well. And, you know, hence maybe the, the least lesser amount of interceptions. He wasn't just hail marrying it down the field and was taking more, you know, shorter, more makeable shots down the field than normal. But that thing just didn't pop in that one game. I, I think he's been having problems and I think he's going to come back better than ever. Maybe it's only for a year or two, but I think he's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fiction, too. Look, if he is able to be motivated at this point in his career, at 38 years old, with two Super Bowls coming off an injury, if there's any any motivation left, if he needed any, my God, you would think he would have it now. I mean, I, I find interesting the stories coming out that him and Glazer are actually boys and bust each other's chops about working out and staying in shape. And even still, Roethlisberger was offended enough to call out Glazer for, for what he said to him, for all the ridiculous crap Cowherd keeps saying about him and Adam Shine, I, I still can't put my finger on what the hatred is for this guy. He's still he's got a Super Bowl caliber defense on, on the other side of the ball for him. He still have Juju Smith Schuster. If one of these other wide receivers steps up, if if you can get what you need out of Eric Ebron in the tight end position. If there's any such thing as motivate, if he's healthy, I, I think even if it's for like you said, one or two years, I we never felt like he was going to get to into his forties, right? Because of the way he played 
early right. on in his career. I, I just think I, maybe this is the, the homer coming out in me. I don't know. But I feel like if he wasn't going to be in shape, he's he's going to be now. And if that arm is healthy, he's got to have something. That, as much to prove as somebody, a guaranteed Hall of Famer with two Super Bowl rings could be, He's he's got to, right? He's got to. I agree. I agree. And I think it's fiction all the way. I think this team, above all, I think is, if they don't win it this year, I think the window is rapidly closing. Oh. And I think Ben knows it and the defense knows it. And they, I think it's just that is the whole mentality heading into this season. Yeah, you have to think so. All right, Rick. Fact or fiction, barring injury, so taking injury off the table, barring injury, Nick Foles starts 16 games for your Chicago Bears this year. I say that's fiction just because the the odds just don't favor it. In, in my mind, he's been oft injured, and the Bears line is not very good. So even if it's maybe 15 games and it's less than 16, so I'm going fiction. Yeah, I mean, uh, I want to take the injury out of it. I'm assuming he stays healthy. We put him in a oh, okay. In a if he stays healthy, I say yes. Okay, I I I, I miss the uh, yeah barring the injury. Okay, you know, yeah, if he's not hurt, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say that's fact. See, I, I think, think he's. I think they went all in on him, and that's what's going to happen with Chicago. They're going to sink or swim with this cat. It's what I'll be curious to see. I, I actually think it's fiction. I Again, and, and you disagree with this, right? He has failed in every opportunity that he has that isn't in the backup role for the Philadelphia Eagles where he's done it so well. He is, I know the injury to, took care of last year, but the, no, you can't you can't disagree with that, Rick, because you you speak truth. I mean, he has failed in every other um, opportunity other than the Philadelphia gigs. I don't count the Jacksonville one, quite frankly. Uh, that team turned out to be just a hideous team, and he was injured most of the year. So I throw that out. I'm still throwing it out, and I'm going to give him one more shot. Now, this Bears team, I think, is good enough to if, – if he's going to be Nick Foles, he's going to be a productive quarterback, you can do it with this team. I mean, you have some weapons. You've got a good defense. So, yeah, I don't disagree with what you're saying, that he's failed everywhere else, but I think this is going to be the only other – team that's good enough to allow him to actually have some success yeah and I just wonder kind of what I'm envisioning we have the feeling now right like Chicago has wiped their hands of Mitch Trubisky they're not picking up the option this is going to be the last year my thought is if Nick Foles fails the way I think he's going to fail I I just that's that's what I believe if he fails you're going to give Trubisky a run of three two or three games before this thing's all said and done after you have egg on your face for trading up for no reason you know and, and letting Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes go and making Trubisky that first quarterback taken there and I have to think at some point unless Nick Foles goes all end of the Super Bowl season all over Chicago which I just don't see happening Trubisky's going to get one last chance at this. I don't think he's going to succeed at it, but I think he's going to get get one one last go around. It's very possible. I, you know, when they declined that fifth year option, it kind of, and they brought in Foles. That kind of told me, look, 
we're moving on, Mitch. You know, well, yeah. le- learn for learn for a year if you want to, because you know we're going with Foles. I, I maybe wrong, but but I think he's a better quarterback, and I think that's going to be their better option. I feel like there's no better name than Mitch for when you're saying we're moving on. We're moving on, Mitch. <laughs> like that. I may have to go kill a dog. I, I mean, this <laughs> this is. I think I think she's on the phone. I think the dog's on the phone because we heard the phone, then we heard the dog, then we heard the phone, and we hear the dog. The thing's going nuts. I I don't know. I don't know what's going on. All right, Rick. Well, we got five minutes left. You want to keep this game going, or do you have one more thing? Let's. Well, you know what? I do have another story that you know, not sports related, but I thought it was interesting, and um, you know, we do nothing if we don't have a variety of subjects. So, let me just rustle through here and I'll find it. Here we go. This comes out of, um, I don't even know what town it is. It doesn't even say. But anyway, it's over over in Italy. And um, Federico Mane first noticed something was wrong with his family's olive trees about six years ago. It was summer. And... um, they were going through the groves and they found that um, some of their trees had dead branches and brown leaves. And to make a long story short, this is um, back in like 2015, um, 14 or 15. This area of the country produces, I think it was uh, 90% of all the olives and olive oil in the world. And there is a blight that is killing all of the olive trees over in Italy and Greece and places like that. And they have no idea. You know, we got Corona killing us. They've got a, a blight over there killing all the olive trees. And, you know, you sit there, eh, I really don't like olives. But, you know, you think about how much olive oil is used just in this country, let alone over there. Right, and every martini drinker it has to have one. Yeah, for drunks so, like mean, you, that's terrible news. First, of all. I mean this. This is. I mean, I just saw this, and it was like, wow. Oh, here it is. Yeah, ninety-five percent of the olive oil production comes out of that, and this this place is dying. I mean, they're basically all blight blighting out. It is from a pathogen called Xyla fastiosa and basically what it does is it gets in the xylem of the tree and blocks the plant from being able to absorb water period and it basically just dies of thirst and and starves to death because it can't bring in any nutrients or water now you're gonna get mad at me but you know what i find most stunning about this story what is that that olives come from trees Olives feel like a bush thing, not a tree thing. They're not big enough to come from a tree. Well, I don't cherries come from trees. Yeah, that's a fair point. Well, there yeah. goes that theory. <laughs> All right. Like, I thought you were just botching it, and olives came from a bush. I feel like they should come from a bush. Well, you know, maybe they're little trees. Well, I mean, you, know, so you know, you can uh, – actually, I did see a picture of one. And, I mean, you can see me on the camera. I mean, trunk like that. I mean, they're a good-sized tree. Really? So, 
Yeah. So it's just the end of days, right? Disease is killing us, killing our food supply, killing our alcoholic beverage, condiments, everything. It's all over. The world's over. It is. It's terrible. You know, and it says um, that, that actually here it is. They're comparing this um, virus to COVID-19. COVID-19 keeps oxygen from reaching our organs, and this clogs the trees from bringing in water. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean... I hope they can kill it. All right. Well, on that cheery note, we are out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Hopefully, who knows, maybe even talking about some sports. But in the meantime, check out everything over at 12 Ounce Sports at 12 Maybe Oz. we talk about avocados or something. There we go. I like it. Well, I don't. At 12 OZ Sports on Twitter. Follow us at Asylum Football on, tw- on Twitter. It's just sports123 at gmail.com. Until next time, if we're not all dead, we'll see you.